Welcome to the Struggling Pastors Podcast, real conversations about ministry and life. My name is Tian Doan, and I am a struggling pastor. Well, today um, I am beginning a uh, conversation with a friend of mine. His name is uh, Pastor Samuel Kim. He is a pastor in uh, Seattle, uh, pastoring a a historic Japanese-American church that's been around for 120 years. Uh, He happens to be uh, of Korean uh, descent, um, but uh, uh, we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the cultural uh, hurdles uh, leading a historically Japanese church um, uh, while being a uh, Korean um, pastor. Um, we, uh, Sam and I, we're, we're part of a, a group. It's called the Asian American um, Leadership Colloquium. And we've been together. Uh, it's it's this group. It's uh, funded by the Lilly Endowment, where we get together and we talk about ministry. Um, and uh, uh, Samuel, he he actually um, recently presented, uh, uh, gave a presentation to our our group, and it, it was just amazing. It's one of the most amazing uh, presentations that that um, we covered uh, in, uh, in our colloquium. And he he talked about uh, you know talking about the. Uh, what are we going to do post pandemic, you know, talking about, you know, there are certain things that that we need to hold on to, but other things we really need to rethink. And so uh, this is going to be a multi episode conversation and we can kind of just get started today. So I I hope you enjoy our conversation. And uh, so let's talk with uh, Pastor Samuel Kim um, of uh, Japanese Baptist Church of Seattle. Well, today I am interviewing a friend of mine. His name is uh, Samuel Kim. Uh, Pastor Sam, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me here today. So, uh, Sam, why don't you tell um, us a little bit about yourself and your ministry and and, and what you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I'm the senior pastor at Japanese Baptist Church. It's like a historical uh church uh, that's been around for 120 years and uh that's my main ministry there and on the side i'm also an adjunct professor at seattle pacific university just teaching one course on christian foundations and uh then outside of that um, i'm also serving as the chair of the advisory board at brem fuller's center Um, so brem is the center at fuller seminary and that deals with the integration of theology, arts, and culture um, and for the renewal of the church. And outside of all that stuff, uh, I am a dad uh, with a four-year-old daughter, and um, I also record and produce music, um, and I do it under different kinds of genres, uh, but it's not within the church. It's kind of outside of the church, but um, that's something I've been doing for like 20 years. And uh, I'm actually releasing a new EP on Friday. So that's, cool. uh, yeah. So that's kind of. Are you singing on it? What, what, what do you do? Is it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I music? sing on it. I, I basically do everything on it. I record it. I mix it myself. I mastered it and um, it'll be on streaming services everywhere. Uh, the EP is called Genealogy, and uh, you can find it like on Spotify, Apple, if you just look up Samuel Joseph Kim or samueljosephkim.com. Yeah, if you want to yeah. find out more. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know uh, that about you. Um, before we get into our topic, uh, yeah. Japanese Baptist Church, Seattle, yep. been around yeah. for a long time. And uh-huh. you're not Japanese, you're Korean. Yes. Right? Um, yes. And uh, how long you've been there? And tell us a little bit about that journey about and, and describe the church. What you know, the yeah, the challenges, the uniqueness yeah. of, of leading that church. Yeah, there's so much to that. Um, well, I've been there for about three and a half years um, and almost, yeah, going on for next year. And uh, my journey, I guess, was. Japanese culture is interesting. So like I am Korean. I'm actually, I was born in Canada, so I'm Korean Canadian. And growing up, I was always kind of interested in this uh, dynamic of like, uh, as you know, many AIPI cultures have a very difficult relationship with Japan through history. 
and Koreans are really noted to be very like strongly against Japanese, uh, the Japanese people because of, you know, the annexation and the occupation. Yeah. Happened. World War II. There's, I grew up yeah. in a community that's a highly, um, Japanese and Korean, and there was a lot of issues just, yep. yeah, of, uh, historic, uh, issues, yeah. not just, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's, it's well-founded, like it's well-documented about just how, you know, there was a season where the Korean culture was taken away. Language was forbidden. They even exchanged their names. Like yep. I didn't realize like my mom's name, once I could understand like Chinese characters, it was actually a Japanese name. And I, I was like shocked. I was like, oh, well, my mom just dismissed it and said, well, all the girls at that time, we had these kind of names. And I was like, wow, can you imagine? Anyways, yep. um, I kind of fell into the major of East Asian studies growing up. And uh, what ended up happening was I began to learn a lot more about the Japanese culture and I was really fascinated by it. And I began to think, how could I possibly be an agent of reconciliation? Because like one thing that really changed me was one of my first visits to Korea. I remember meeting this, uh, this girl, I think she was around 12 or something. And she told me she just hates Japanese people. Hmm. And, and I, you know, having studied history some, like I understand my parents, um, you know, and, you know, my great grandparents and, and so forth. But I was just thinking like, why does a 12 year old hate them? And she just told me like, I don't know, I just do. And I just, hmm. and it was at that moment, I realized like hate can be hereditary, right? Yeah. And what kind of legacy could we go going forward of talking about reconciliation and peace? And I realized the only way I'm really going to do this is if I began to learn about both sides. And so I began to study and I even committed to like living in Japan. So I lived there for two years and I really thought God was going to lead me on this journey to um, be this kind of cross-cultural ambassador because of just, you know, my time in Japan and all this stuff. But that was like 20 years ago. And during that time I did ministry in a Korean American church and then uh, unforeseen events happened. And then I, started doing Chinese American ministry for another seven years. And then finally, after 20 years of just all this stuff, um, I finally landed in a Japanese American church. And I feel like all this experience I've had, like I lived in England for a bit when I was studying, you know, music and audio engineering. And um, I think that whole experience just taught me a lot about what it's like to do cross-cultural ministry. And it really developed me in me a heart for like, what does diverse ministry look like? What does inclusion look like? And so I think I'm ready just coming in here. And this is a very interesting group, even though it's, Jap it's called Japanese Baptist. Like it's very diverse now. It's definitely gone beyond its Japanese American roots. The staff is diverse. Um, you know, we're not a large church, but we're, we're definitely going beyond even Pan-Asian now. And uh, I think it's an exciting time to be in ministry to just talk about how do you honor like the story that you've come from, but also how do you kind of recognize where is your story going? So that's, yeah, in a nutshell of <laughs> what, what I'm doing here right now. And uh, it's an exciting place to be. It's hard. It's really hard. But yep. I think just the fact that uh, I'm a Korean Canadian as a senior pastor in a Japanese church, I think that's very significant and things very powerful and meaningful. Well, this is called the Struggling Pastors Podcast, and um, yeah. you know we chose that name. It's a little tongue in cheek, but the the yeah. idea is that you know all pastors are struggling with something. Um, yeah. You know, uh, sometimes ministry is going well, and then you have you know issues with the family of the kids, or you know other times uh, you know one area is going well, and then you know uh, someone gets mad at you for something you said, uh, mm -hmm. you know, at the church. So, so we're nice. we're always trying to you know we're always struggling with something. So, right. um, just opening question for you, like like is is there a question or a problem right now that you're you're trying to figure out, trying to solve? You know, yeah. either ministry or, or just balance in, in yeah. life. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, first of all, I want to just say, like, I love the name of the show. I mean, I think that's great because, you know, I think there's a fair argument to say, like, if you're not struggling, then what are you doing? Right. Like, I think the whole nature of our work is is pretty much wrestling all the time. Right. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wrestling into the kingdom of God. Like, I feel like that's a lot of what we do. So I think. The word struggling pastor is a great one. Um, I guess the big question that I've been thinking about lately is um, 
we're in such like a a special time in the church. And I know every generation is special and but I I really do feel because of the pandemic we're in a truly pivotal time. Um mm-hmm. and so I guess what's been filling my mind a lot lately is like how should we pivot, you know? Like what what do we need to hold on to? What do we need to rethink? I guess um that hmm. that whole conversation has just been going through my head constantly and so that's that's been my mind a lot because i definitely feel a lot of folks out there who feel like oh well you know once the pandemic calms down we'll just go back to how we used to be i i just don't i just don't see it happening you know i think we've been forever changed but yeah. how exactly we've been forever changed i think that's that's still to play out yeah but um I think it's really important for pastors and leaders of the church to really get ahead of this and really think like, well, um, what are the things that we need to keep as our foundation, but what are things that we really need to, you know, reconsider and, uh, yeah. And innovate forward. That's, that's on my mind a lot. Yeah. Um, that, uh, sets us up for, for, uh, the conversation I, I wanted to have with you. Um, yeah. w- together we're part of this, uh, Asian American leadership colloquium and, uh, uh, I don't know, was it a month ago? Uh, uh, you made a presentation to our group about, about that topic, about things we need, what do we hold on to and what do we, um, what do we, um, rethink? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was of, of our time together. I think it was the most, for me, um, timely and thought provoking, uh, um, presentation that we've had in our group. And I I just like, man, this is, you know, so that's why I reached out to you. Um, I actually have your PowerPoint pulled up here. I was just looking through your notes that you, of your presentation, the, Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that was, uh, stark, um, you know, like, uh, this big old, flashing red light warning sign was kind of the statistics of yes. of where the church is i mean very current you, you quoted a couple of uh, um charts and graphs from barna can, can you talk about that talk about just where we are um yeah. you know just covid how how covid has affected uh um the church and, and specifically yeah. i'm thinking about uh this about um church attendance among practicing christians how that's changed you know uh yeah yeah what did you what did you find out well yeah i mean as some of your listeners might know about barna like they're doing they're always doing um you know um surveys and and research of you know the state and the health of the church and one of the surveys they did was in 2020 during covid when we were all doing you know, as the peak of like online churches where we were fully socially distancing, um, they they uh, looked into the attendance amongst Christians and, and not just any Christian, but like practicing Christians. And the statistics said that 35% are still only attending their pre-COVID church, only 35%. And then these other numbers that come up are really interesting is that 14% have actually switched churches from the pre-COVID church. And then 32% have stopped attending church altogether during COVID. And then 18% are viewing multiple churches throughout the month. And so those numbers are telling me like, there is a lot of shifting going on, you know, Um, this whole idea of, you know, I'm a member at this church, I only attend this church, I only listen to this pastor, I only drive here, like, that stuff is gone. Because now at the online church, people are like, hey, I could check out this church in this state or this country, you know, and we're going international and some people are also realizing is like, is Sunday service, like, as I remember it, is it actually really helpful to me? You know, was I only doing out of obligation? Like all these kind of new questions are coming up and some people have gained conveniences and don't want to surrender them in the future. Some people have lost something, but then they feel like they don't want to go back to it either. So yeah, we're just kind of like in this weird time. And I, I think, it's important for all of us to not immediately judge it, but maybe to step back and say like, okay, well, what is this telling us? You know? And that's a lot of what I'm trying to do, I guess, right now. Well, let's dig through those numbers here. I I, I don't know how, how you read it, how you assess it or, Mm -hmm. you know, so it says 35%, only 35% are still uh, participating in the church that they 
um, they were going to or they were members of mm-hmm. uh, before. So so pre um, pre COVID, yeah. there's only 35 percent of them that are still faithfully doing what they were doing before. Mm-hmm. Is that how you read that number? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and then fourteen percent, another four. And these are practicing Christians. These aren't the the people yeah. who come, you know, Christmas and, and Easter. That's right. So these people decided fourteen percent switched during yeah. the pandemic. So, um, you know, maybe their church didn't have online uh, and you know or whatever, or they didn't they didn't do that well, and yeah. so they switched. Mm-hmm. And 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 also, you know, well, what you decided to do with with your gathering mm-hmm. uh, probably said a lot about your, you know, there's this correlate correlation of of you know politics and and other things, right? Yep, so, absolutely. Um, the the number that jumps out to me is that uh, um, so a third just dropped mm-hmm. out. A third is yeah. like I'm not, I haven't been back at yeah. all. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. So only a third is staying the same. A third dropped out and then a third somehow is either totally they 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 switched or they're they're dating multiple churches yeah right yeah so i what what does that yeah well what does that say uh what what do you think that's saying that there's just big upheaval and transition well you know i think what it did you know, if I look at COVID just from like a real like pullback view, like just in my estimation, because I'm sure there's a lot of people with different takes, but I feel like COVID was a time where like everything, right? Like government, um, our relationships, um, our infrastructure, our education, you know, our institutions, all of yep. it was kind of like, let's see what this looks like when you put real stress on it. When you put a catastrophe on it, let's see like what really holds up, you know, and it's kind of like that teaching in Jesus where it's like, you know, um, someone builds their house on the sand and someone builds it like on the solid ground. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, COVID is kind of like that disaster and we see what happens. And I think so many things were exposed in this time, like all throughout, like you're just like the exposure of like leadership in this time. Like when people were under stress and like catastrophes were happening, we're just hearing about all this misconduct. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also hearing about, um, just the way the churches were designed. Like if we're really honest, like they weren't that accessible, you know, there's, we're also like kind of fed up with like, of uh, churches that just held the status quo, but didn't really ask hard questions of like, how is this relevant to what's going on in the world today? You know, mm-hmm. and this is really sad, but you know, a lot of churches are just kind of designed to maintain that, which has already gone before, you know? Mm-hmm like the traditions and rituals they have. And so I think people are just like, that will not do when everything's changed. How can you keep acting like everything is the same when the whole world has been turned upside down, right? And I think that immediately makes people kind of question the church. And then also, Mm. I wonder if there's also people who are like, uh, now more than ever, if the church is not doing what they believe in, right? Like, how can I be aligned with it? You know, Um, because just too much pain has been unearthed in this time. And so if the church is not kind of acknowledging that we've been behind on this, or we're trying to pivot to be better listeners to the world around us, like, I think there's a lot of people are going out. Um, A lot of young people are just telling me like, you know, I, they want to be a part of something they believe in, right? That is doing the stuff that they can come alongside. And if they're not doing anything that they can come alongside, they're just, why should I keep acting like I'm going to keep up the facade of religion and church, right? So um, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And then the last part is also like, uh, we have to pivot. Like, I, like I have this real love-hate relationship with technology. Like, in some ways, like, I'm a, too, I'm a super tech nerd. Like, I love music gear. I love all this stuff. But, you know, I get frustrated with it. And then I think of my pastor peers of like, how far behind we are in just kind of moving with the times, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. all the whole world, we like shifted our whole understanding of technology this year with like work yeah. from home, you know, video conferencing, all this new technology. And it's like, did the church pivot in the same way or not? Right. Cause like, I think I look at some churches and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like their website, like their accessibility, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's atrocious, you know, and they didn't, they didn't see this opportunity to shift with the times. They just kind of kept plowing along as they did, you know? 
And uh, I'm sure there's part of that too. So those are kind of like some of the immediate things that came to mm-hmm. mind, but yeah. you know, there's also other things as well. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, uh, in your presentation and, and it led to a lot of good discussion uh, that I want to, um, continue here. Uh, I think your main suggestion is you got to figure out what things Mm -hmm. we need to hold on to and protect and, and to keep the same while on the other hand, trying to figure out what things do we need to shift and to rethink and, and Mm -hmm. possibly change. Right. Right. How, How would you, yeah. How would you, um, uh, yeah. How would you restate that or, um, yeah. Like, well, why do we need to do that? Well, I think if you look at the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, like Jesus was uh, a very divisive figure. And, and why that was is because I think when Jesus came, a lot of people were thinking, okay, Jesus, you're finally here. You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. Come bring in the new thing, you know, because like our current world sucks. Like we're being oppressed um, by the Romans. Uh, people don't care about temple worship anymore. Um bring in the new thing. But what they're really saying is like, bring back what we want, you know? And Jesus was saying, I'm not here to do away with the old. I'm actually here to fulfill. Right. And so I think Jesus is a perfect example of like what God is calling us to is not like burn everything down because it's broken. Cause I know I'm sure once I was talking about all that stuff, people might misunderstand, uh, misunderstand me as saying like, you know, the church is flawed. It's, it's dead. We got to move on. Um, but I'm also not saying like the answer is we're here because America has fallen. It's forgotten its roots. It's got to go back. You know, um, I think it's a both end and that's very consistent with what Jesus was about. And if you look at the kingdom of heaven and you look at the arc of scripture, it's always been about God is bringing, God has always been doing what God always does, you know, but at the same time, God does it in this way that blows everyone's minds because it's very subversive, right? So when God says, I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven, the first word they hear is like kingdom. Oh yeah, I know kingdom. Great. You know, bringing the kingdom of Jesus. He's like, no, no, no. The kingdom of heaven is not like the world. And that's why he kept teaching all these parables is like the kingdom of heaven is like this. And if you look at Jesus, he's always saying like, you think it's like this, but I'm going to show you what it's really like. And I feel like we need that kind of spirit of Jesus today of thinking about like, what was God really, what were the fundamentals of what God was serious about? And then how would that spirit of Jesus apply to this very new world that we're living in? And I think that's the responsibility of every generation of church. And, and that's what we got to do right now. And we have to recognize we're in a very new and different world. And if we're serious about keeping in step with the spirit and in with Jesus, we've got to think about doing that same work of like getting back to like loving God with our whole being, um, loving our neighbor as ourselves and living in the way of Jesus Christ, you know, which I see are the fundamentals. You know, um, and, and I, I'm going to get into your, you know, the meat of, of, the presentation you made about about things we need to rethink but uh yeah. when when you were talking about this the first thing that jumped uh into um my mind was uh jim collins uh his book called uh, built mm-hmm. to last yeah mm-hmm. do you know that book uh you know i only know a name i didn't get to read it though yeah yeah so uh he's more famous for his second book called called good to great but mm-hmm. uh built to last the the main thing that he talked about so he he calls them enduringly great companies. Like these yeah. are these are companies that that um, are are great companies. And he yeah. says there's two things. There's two things in that made them great. And yeah. he says, and I think he uses like a yin and yang symbol. But he says at mm-hmm. the same time, the these companies they 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 preserve their core. Like this is the core of their business. They knew what they were about. Yeah. But on the other hand. Um, the things outside of their core, uh, mm-hmm. they were aggressive in, in, he calls it stimulate progress. He says, preserve yeah. the two disciplines, preserve the core and 
stimulate progress. Like you got to keep on pushing like the things outside the core. Like uh, you got to know what you're holding on to, but, but Hey, let's, let's experiment with everything else. So, so the way I explain it, and this is, and this is how I talk about it at my church and with with people, you know, that I, I mentor is that you have a, you have a closed hand and then you have an open hand. Yeah. Like the closed hand is the thing that you're holding on to. The, these are the the central tenets that you're willing to die for, you know, and you're not going to let these go. You're not going to compromise on them. And then yeah. the open hand is everything else. It's, it's like, yeah. yeah, hey, like, um, and the problem is that we don't know what goes in what hand. Either Either we put everything in the closed hand and we don't change a thing. Yeah. Or we put everything in the open hand and we rethink everything and neither one of those is help healthy. Yeah. So I, I think the way, you know, you, you were talking about, okay, uh, the closed hand issues, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like for you, what are some of the, uh, the closed hand issues, the, the, the core issues that we, we need to at, for the church today? Like we can't let go of these things. Yeah. Um, I think, I think definitely the, the closed hand thing is that, um, well, if I can say it very simply, it's really loving God, loving neighbor, and making disciples and being disciples of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But those—that's kind of the shorthand. Um, but for and that's something that I've just teased out in every situation of ministry. Like I've done ministry in like four different countries and many different cities, and like I just as I keep leaning into scripture, I just keep coming back to these. But definitely loving God, and what I mean by that is like, you know a full engagement of ourselves before God. You know, I was just talking with another group of friends and we we're just talking about like, how would you define the kingdom of God? And I think it's, uh, it's that process of like being fully present, bringing our full selves fully before all of God, you know, that's where the kingdom happens. And like that, that can never change you know like that's that's really important that we never lose sight of that because the moment we lose sight of that then we lose like the core center of all that we are right like then why are we why are we gathering you know um and the other one like jesus says is like it is that we also have to be like fully engaged with this world around us and our neighbors um i get a little nervous when we're starting to kind of separate churches where they're like um you know I don't believe in like the social gospel stuff. Cause like it gets away from the true gospel and like to worship. And I'm like, ah, yeah, you got, but you gotta be a little careful here because like, if our gospel has no relevance to the world around us, you know, like Jesus is like, then, um, you can't say you love me, right? If you can't love your neighbor, then you don't love me. And like, you're a liar. So I think that's a, that's a hard question that we have to keep asking ourselves. Yeah. Is like, is our love for God, moving us to love other people. Right. And vice versa. And, and, and when you, and when you were referring to neighbor, it sounds like you're, you're not talking about, uh, primarily your brothers in, in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's everyone. It's, it's all the, the people all around you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, because it's a good Samaritan story. Absolutely. Because that's exactly where the good Samaritan story came from. Right. Because mm-hmm. someone actually asked, well, who's, who's my, my neighbor, neighbor then? Right. Yep. And then Jesus says, let me tell you a story, right? Yeah. And basically the story is like, it's definitely, it's the person on the other side from you, right? Yep. And um, in fact, like in that story, I'm glad you brought it up, right? It's like the ones who kind of only took care of their own, right? Like the mm-hmm. temple folks who kind of walked around him and like, oh, I don't want to ceremonially make myself unclean by touching you. So I'm going to avoid you. Like all those ones who kind of preserve their inner circle, like none of them were the good neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the only one who's the true neighbor was like this foreigner who was willing to go through, reach through like bigotry and prejudice. Yeah. And, and, he, and, and, and yeah. for most of his life, he's the oppressed person, right? Exactly. He's the one that yeah. is, uh, yeah. So loving God, loving, loving our neighbor, which means, you know, outreach, yeah. Yeah. um, compassion, advocacy, yeah. um, kindness, yeah, and then and I, then you said discipleship, discipleship to Christ, just yeah. following Christ, right? And, yeah, and like what I I kind of am trying to tease out the word because like you know I I believe in discipleship, but you know it's 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 a misunderstood word today because it feels like archaic to some, but I I feel like it's really this thing where like in the New Testament where they talk about like whoever claims you know 
to follow God, they must walk in Christ's steps, right? And to walking in God's steps, in Jesus' steps, living in the way of Jesus and inviting people into the way of Jesus. Um, I think that's really important because Jesus is like that paradigm for our lives. We're not just kind of like randomly just doing acts of kindness or like jumping onto any cause just because. We do this because who Christ is, who Jesus is, informs us, you know? So it's not like we do, we're like a blank slate, you know? Just go out there and just be nice and love people. It's like, no, like Jesus has walked in such a way that's given us a model for it. And so, and I would say that's what separates us all. That's why I'm really strong about this because, um, you know, like in James, it says, well, you know, even demons know there's a God, <laughs> but at least they shudder. <laughs> like James is kind of implying, like a lot of you say, you know, God, but you don't even shudder about it. You know, like you have no reverence. And so um, I think for me, discipleship is about being like very aware that God isn't just calling us to like assent intellectually to who God is, but to also walk in Christ's steps. Mm-hmm. And um, I think those three things need to be held together. Cause if, if you take out one, you lose so much of what we are. And then we, we can't hold on to the center. Everything else is secondary in my mind beyond yeah. those things. Yeah. Yeah. At our, at our church, um, we have these statements, uh, that we actually recite every week. We call it our identity statements is based on, on, on the Trinity. We say, yeah. Um, you know, because God, is our father. We are family mm-hmm. because Jesus is our Lord. We are servants. And because the mm. Holy Spirit sends us, we're missionaries. Mm. And, and for us, that's, that's our core, you know, that, that's, that's what we're holding on to. Mm. And then where I want to lead this conversation is, is, um, and we're going to have to extend this, um, because there's a lot here. Um, yeah. You you presented um, I, I, at first. I think it was five different areas that we that the church need needs to rethink while we're holding on to the core, holding on yep. to the you know the central tenets. We're not going to be apostate and let everything go. We're holding yeah. on to those core things, but yeah. there's these other things that because the world has changed around us, we need to start mm-hmm. to rethink our yes. relationship in our you know, our philosophy about these things. So, so you had five things and Mm -hmm. I I, want to, I think you added one and I, I, I'm going to suggest another one, Uh, Mm -hmm. but, but things that we need to rethink. So that's the, where I want to take this conversation. Like, like if you were, you know, sitting and I think you made this presentation with a a big group of pastors too, but like Mm -hmm. telling pastors, Hey pastors, we got to rethink these things. Like um, Mm -hmm. at least, like maybe maybe you decide that you don't change, but at least think rethink your relationship to these things, right? Yeah. So, um, what are what are uh, some of the things that you think or suggest um, mm-hmm. pastors to pastors that they need to rethink? Yeah. Well, I'll break down just the qu- categories quickly, and you know we can go wherever we like from here on in, if, mm-hmm. maybe for another episode yeah. or whatever. But so so what? Yeah. What I want to do is I, I want to. Um, yeah, talk about just the whole idea of rethinking yeah. and just big categories, and then yeah, yeah tease out one you know one or two of these uh, in, in future times. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, so, so um, what are the categories? So this is just—it's basically like a summary. The reason I gave this presentation was like just to, just to like kind of summarize like my struggle and my journey of thinking of like, okay, what does the map look like ahead? What are the big things I need to think about? And this is the way my mind works is like, it, it works a lot better if like I have a map. And so I was thinking like, as I'm trying to figure out this map of like the major rethinks that we need to do going forward, maybe some other pastors could find this helpful, you know, like just to build upon this. So it's by no means like a conclusive observation, but it's a place to start. So the things I thought about were rethinking physical space, rethinking church community, rethinking uh, church and technology, rethinking social justice and community engagement, rethinking worship. And actually you brought one that, um, in the discussion that I totally am going to add from here on in for sure. Um, and I'm I'm happy to, I'm so thankful that you, you mentioned this to me is that rethinking the pastoral vocation. Um, I think, uh, those are the big things on my mind. I'm sure there's other categories that yeah. will come as I think about it, but those are the big ones that came to mind yeah. in this yeah. past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think those are great. Um, one thing I, I, I would add, and, and I, I, I want you to, you know, we'll, 
summarize each one of these and kind of describe what, what you're thinking. But um, yeah, I would even add something like, you know, not just um, like like ministry programming or our discipleship mm-hmm. um, pathway, you know, mm-hmm. um, like like um, like how are we thinking about those things also? Yeah. Oh, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, let's talk about this. OK. Yeah. Physical Do you mean like space. rethinking spiritual formation? Or yeah. Like... Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think the rethink is uh, programs towards spiritual formation. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. So that's absolutely. instead because if if only a third of the people are coming to your building now or, yeah. you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and they're watching, you know, preaching from three different churches and yeah. like how yeah. where is um i think the programming you know like a, a lot of times the church keeps the calendar really um really full and keeps yeah. everyone busy but yeah. so i think that's one of the things it's like uh Absolutely. programming yeah. versus formation so well let, let, oh, yeah. let, let's let's hit this one at a time let's hit, one. <clears throat> let's hit physical space yeah. um hey um, I have been blessed uh, for the past, I don't know, 15 years yeah. of uh, ministry yeah. um, by not having a building. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, honestly, oh, yeah. <clears throat> I I feel so much more freedom because I don't have a building. We rent facilities and yeah. but, you know, you're in a historic place, 120 years and a lot yeah. of money and a lot of time mm-hmm. is spent on that building. So mm-hmm. so what mm-hmm. made you uh, put that as one of the things that you need to rethink? Yeah, you know, I love you saying that because, right, um, I bet there was a time, right, when you're church planting, um, you're thinking, like, you felt this pressure maybe from your peers. It's like, oh, well, one day when you guys get more established, you'll get a building like us. You know, it was kind of like, this is the goal. This is like, now you've made it. Now you're legit when you have your own building, your own parking lot. But after COVID, it's kind of like, oh, this is like a dead weight to us, like, you know, maintaining all of this. and Like now, like these places that were renting out buildings or like they were just using an office space only for staff. Mm -hmm. Like they're now like cutting edge and progressive. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, it's like completely flipped. Um, And I I think that's kind of where we are about like physical space is uh, I think actually in a colloquium, uh, Pastor Margaret uh, Valui was talking about how I think she had read a statistic about something like um, on average about, I think it is roughly around 30% of the congregation has come back in person mm-hmm. uh, on, across the board. Yeah. But so that means like 70% are not coming back, you know, for whatever reason. And, and, and it wasn't, you know, the statistics were declining for a decade before that anyways. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right, and all of a sudden, in a year, yeah. you cut off seventy percent. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so much, so much of the programming yeah. is designed to be in that building. Yeah. And so much right. of the ministry is designed to be in that's that right. building. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and there was this kind of thing of like the church was like this is where the real community happens and like you know there's all those cliches about we say like the church is not the building but you look in their practice and it totally gives the message is like ministry only happens in our building yeah and in fact like you even have this like unspoken pressure of like you come to our church in our building to our service and we do our bible studies in our place you know you sing the songs in our sanctuary and it's all like very tied with like the whole identity. So what happens when now you're, you've lost like 70% of that. And now you've got these vacant buildings. Um, and a lot of people are not even meeting there, but they're meeting in this like abstract online space. Right. Um, we, we really got to think, um, have we, have we like been doing church in such a way that we cornered God's people into like an hour on Sunday in yeah. a specific location. And we didn't, we really limited <clears throat> ourselves to thinking like church is so much bigger than just, you know, this yeah. physical space on Sunday. Yeah. And the, you know, I don't know how much your building is worth. Seattle's, you know, expensive property. Yeah. It's, uh, it's probably pretty so, expensive. So, now, yeah. so right now, yeah. Um, you know, is it better for you to have, 
you know, a big building that everyone, you know, that that that's mainly used for for one day of the week. That the primary mm-hmm. thing is one day a week, mm-hmm. or, you know, a ministry center, or you know, five million mm-hmm. bucks in the bank to do mm-hmm. like what 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 would you prefer? Um, and a lot mm-hmm. of times, uh, you know, churches the even though, uh, like church property. Um, it's not like commercial property because it's designed yeah. for a specific use. You can't change yeah. it to be a shopping mall yeah. and you can't, yeah. you know, and it's zoned for, for, for certain things. Yeah. And it's zoned really for, um, you know, an auditorium and education space. And you can't, yeah. you know, we designed it for, for Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that's a, mm-hmm. uh, man, that's big. That's a big um, shift that a lot of people have because. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you know, I, th- I think this is kind of the tricky thing that we're going through is that I think the quick knee jerk reactions are either like, get rid of it, sell it, get money, you know, or, and um, well, you know, and, and that's happening in the housing market right now, right? But then I'm also reading about this interesting thing of like, people are having this buyer's remorse of like, we shouldn't have sold our house in this time, like, we want to go back and like, they went out into the middle of nowhere, so they can make all this money. But then they realize like, um, getting my house somewhere else isn't necessarily better either. Yeah. Um, I, I think what, so the, the answer isn't necessarily like, okay, buildings are out of, or I don't know, out of fashion. So let's get rid of them. I don't think it's quite that. I also don't think it's like, let's get them filled up again, which is also a narrative out there, but it's more about like, how can we rethink like how space can bless others? Right. Um, yeah. Just in a completely secular context, um, you know, I, I know someone who's like in leadership and strategy at Starbucks, which is really nearby. The national headquarters is here, and they're completely. Hey, my like daughter works at Starbucks. Oh, okay. My, uh, yeah, it's her first job out of high school. She works at. Oh, okay. Uh, she, I, um, uh, she starts at four a.m. sometimes. Oh, like, okay. Okay. <laughs> but nice. yeah, Starbucks. So the the national headquarters here, like huge building and what they've done is like they've just completely remodeled the insides during this covid year to be they took out all the individual office spaces and are turning them into like collaborative workspaces where it's more about a center of gathering you know not these individual yeah um niches and i wonder if there's something there just thinking about like what would happen if like we were less territorial about, about our buildings and like could they be community resources right yeah. like spaces of gathering and encouraging community right and yeah um like churches have been notorious about this especially commuter churches right like people come in from like really far out to go to this one particular church and it's closed no, during the week yeah or and they have no interest in like being available to their zip code you know mm-hmm. Like, what would it look like if churches took really seriously? Like, I'm invested in my zip code. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. like for me this year, I, we we just got a place, my family, um, that's in the same zip code as my church. In 20 years of, um, well, I guess almost 25 years of ministry, like I haven't done that. Like lived in my zip code of my church. <laughs> Uh, my they're finally shame, but... paying you enough to, to to live close by well him. i don't know if it's that, <laughs> that that's another podcast <laughs> like, yeah yeah that's um, another struggling pastors uh exactly yeah. exactly yeah. um but i did that just because you had like 14 jobs you got like 14 jobs yeah and, right you know, <laughs> so that's why you're doing it so <laughs> yeah there's yeah that's another episode um but i wonder but me, why I wanted to do that, even though it was actually quite difficult to find a place in the same zip code as my church, um, was because I, I, I really want to be invested mm-hmm. into what our church community, like the neighborhood of our church. Yeah. And um, I've, I've started like partnerships with like some of the, the local organizations in the area and um, trying to get to know like the history of our community mm-hmm. um, and you know, I can talk more about that, but that's, um, I, I think that's, this is a great opportunity. So rather than thinking of it as like, oh, this is, we've got all these like wasted empty spaces. It's kind of like, Hey, we've got these new opportunities to reset. You know, I think we sort of lost the plot a little bit with thinking about how can real estate and physical space be redemptive. And now we can kind of come back to it. So I think it's an exciting time, but 
it's also fraught with risk, right? Like we could also miss this really great opening too, you know, and just go back and set ourselves back again. Yeah. You know, and the way that we're, you've present presented this, uh, this challenge isn't, you didn't, you're not saying we need to shift in these areas. You're saying we need to yep. rethink these because, yes. because Hey, yes. maybe, maybe you're going to end up at the same place, yep. but, but there's been so much disruption and change. Mm-hmm. We actually, we really have to really think intentionally. So right now, you know, um, someone, you know, God is for, for many of us press the reset button and we get to, yeah. you know, we get to choose like, Hey, yeah. am I, uh, we have all the excuses in the world to say, "Hey, we can't, we can't do what we used to do," mm-hmm. um, and it, I think this is an important time that that yep. we could take a um, a breather. Because mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I um, I realize is like I I don't want to go back. I don't think that's what God's calling us to go back. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, to to setting up chairs and pulling pulling the stupid trailer and and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know we were portable church and all that. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? We're gonna figure something else out. At least we need yeah. to rethink that. But um, yes. Um. I, I, I wanted us to uh, uh, maybe not give, you know, um, the suggestions or ideas or, or, you know, but just to lay out those, those questions. Right. So, mm-hmm. so um, I'll save the other categories for, for future conversations, but, sure. but we're, we're saying, you know, rethink your physical space. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, let's give people an overview. Rethink community. Uh, what, what mm-hmm. do you mean by that? Uh what I mean by that is kind of what you're hinting at is that what are the programming, right? That you had mentioned earlier, like what are the ways that we program to bring people together, to gather people, right? What are the ways that we gather people in Christ's name? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means a lot of different ways. Um, how can we rethink about that? Like now that we have this whole new category of hybrid space, right? Hybrid engagement, mm-hmm. right? Um, does, and then it opens up this whole thing of like accessibility is now dependent on um, technological knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that we got to think about. Like, does the programming keep in step with what the real needs are, right? Like, are we trying to force our church to gather in a way that is not even the way people gather anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember this young person was talking about like, Everyone keeps saying, like, because I'm like a young millennial, like, we're always on Zoom. Like, we always want to do Zoom stuff. It's like, we hate Zoom. We don't want to do Zoom. We want to meet in person. It actually, and then she called out. She's like, I think it's actually the old people that want to do Zoom because it's easier for them. Because, like, they're getting older. They don't want to get in their cars. They like this thing of, like, just, you know, having coffee and seeing Pastor on TV. And she was, like, going on, like, I hate that. And whether she's right or wrong, I think she was just pointing out is, like, there's a lot of assumptions of like how people want to gather. Yeah. And I don't know. We need to check those assumptions. Yeah. And, um, yeah. How do you, how do you do build co- community? How do you build relationships? Yeah. And how do you care yeah. for people? Right. Yeah. In this new world. Right. Like, um, just last week I, I welcomed a new member who, who is now a member of our church, but in Japan, um, she went through the membership classes through zoom. Um, she's really committed to being a part of us and, I'm like, I've never done this before. And then yeah. we have to ask about like, what are we going to do about baptism? You know, <laughs> what am I doing yeah. about this? Like, I'm, I'm starting to get like this pretty consistent number of followers on our YouTube, like, which is not a lot, but it's pretty consistent throughout the week. And like, I think that's, that's a legit congregation. What am I going to do with that? You know? yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, I, and that leads to rethinking technology. Yes. So what do you mean? Yes. What do you mean by that? Um, well, um, what I mean is that I think a lot of churches, we've been kind of like technophobic and we don't have like a very developed theological framework to talk about technology. And one thing that really struck me was when I spoke to this one PhD candidate who's working on their dissertation, she consults with like top tech firms in uh, Silicon Valley about spirituality. And a lot of these people at the top of leadership, they have no higher principle or higher understanding guiding them, they're just, they're using this technology that is literally changing society as Mm -hmm. we know it. But there is no 
there's nothing guiding the ship, which is terrifying, right? And is that why have like pastors need to get ahead of this and think about like how can we really inform like how does God see technology more as good and as useful for the kingdom of God? Not just like, you know, given to like cliches of like, well, it's all like Skynet and, you know, like um, AI is going to like ruin us all and destroy us all. It's like, what are ways that technology is good? Um, and then how can technology really help our church? Like it's going to really require, I know like myself, like I hate being on camera and YouTube and all this stuff, but like, this is the new world. And like, how do we lean into technology yeah. and learn it's from it? It's a tool, it? right? It's a tool. Yeah. And right. Um, it's a gift. And if you're not going to like explore the gift, then you can't use the tool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, community engagement and yeah. social justice. I mean, that's a big thing. Cause, cause you know, yeah. during this pandemic, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just COVID-19. Like there was no. a huge, uh, yeah. uh, shifts, um, yeah. you know, we with, with, social injustice right in our face yep. and yep. then there's you know all these different you know tribalism yep. all this yep. uh political um yep. you know polarization you know people just yep. so all yep. that and then yep. uh what you have is you have people forming tribes and yep. you know yep. and non-engaging uh yep. yeah and you know that's exactly like i was reading some articles on like you know gen z and, you know, the real challenge right now is um, this very large ministry. I won't mention the church, but they're talking about like one of the biggest challenges they have is like young people nowadays are saying like, look, why should I join the community of the church when they don't seem to be doing anything? It looks like my friends are doing it more, you know? Yep. And so like, you know, that statistic of like people dropping out of church, you know, according to a lot of Gen Z kids, it's like, that's why is because, um, I feel like in my circle of friends, we are more engaged and connected with the world around us. Because like when I go into churches, like they don't know what's going on, the way they're preaching, they're talking, they're just in their caves and their tribes. Um, and uh, how we, we can't escape anymore, right? I, I feel like with the way how accessible information and the media is now, like churches have to be engaged yeah. with the world around them. Yeah. And and God has something to say about the stuff that's going on right now. And yeah. so if the churches act like, you know, yeah, it's out of our hands, we just want to focus on singing and doing our songs. Like, um, we can't do that anymore. And, and, and those kind you, of churches you know, will the, fade, yeah. You use the word engage. I, I like mm -hmm. that word because yeah. I think the church has a hard time um, in, like, joining a conversation that they are not, leading the conversation yes. because, <laughs> yes. oh because they're like, you know, That's a great um, way to say it. yeah. So, so engaging really is like listening, being a good neighbor, yes. right. Being yes. patient and, yes. and empathetic and compassionate. Like, so, so yeah. I, I get so frustrated because like, there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of my friends are like, um, you know, did sermons like whatever, anti-critical race theory. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you're right. It's not in the Bible, but but there is a person in your church that is struggling with these things. Like, can you just yeah. listen? Like, yeah. don't just say it's unbiblical, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. but but like, mm -hmm. can you listen? Can you engage? And, and say, so it's a way that you dismiss. Oh, you know what? We're we're going to take this stance because it's not expressly. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. guess what? You've disengaged. You're like, we're not talking yeah. about that. And like, yeah. why? Because you can't. Like, there's people. Um, that we need to care about and show compassion mm -hmm. and empathy. So, yeah, hundred um, percent. That's exactly it. And then you know, if you're not engaging, like especially, we just have no more patience. Like our patience has run out for for places that are not engaging with us, not listening to us anymore. You know, and yep. this is this is the place we're in. So, like, if you continue to push. An insecure Christianity that is scared to be questioned, that is scared to be like challenged to listen, um, you you'll just lose people. And I mean, you know, the other statistic I shared in that presentation, right, is like practicing Christians has like in the past twenty years has gone from like almost fifty percent to like uh, it's twenty five percent. Yeah. You know, um, it's because we're not engaging anymore. And I mean, I have so much more to say about that, but yeah. definitely like if we could just 
I think people are scared. Engagement means like we're gonna like compromise. We're gonna be converted. We're gonna, you know, like all this stuff. And it's like, no, no. Engaging just means like get in the conversation, you know, and be, be loving in the conversation. It's who is your neighbor? It's who is your neighbor? It's like that's. Yeah. You know what? I don't have to agree, but I if my neighbor's hurting, I don't have to agree with him. If he's hurting, I need to at least listen to him. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. I don't have I don't know. I, I we're uncomfortable yeah. with with messiness and yeah. So we, we hide yeah. these yeah. things that we can't control. Yeah. So yeah. Um you mentioned worship. Uh, I yeah. assume you're talking about Sunday morning programming. Yeah, you know, I am. And then I think it's even bigger in that what what do we understand as worship? Because I think what worship has turned into is like, and we even see this, right? Worship leader, right? We're always kind of, we're always like fumbling with this kind of category of worship because like, do you mean worship as um, our identity and lifestyle? Or do you mean it by like what we do on Sundays, right? Like the (laughs) words get so confused. And it's gonna, we need to think better about it because in this new time, how do you talk about being in spirit and truth, right? When we're not necessarily all there physically together, right? Um, can you have a f- like an authentic worship experience like in a virtual space? Um, what is worship like? And I think all of those questions need to be really asked because what I'm. Can you take communion online? Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's a huge theological thing, right? Like, yeah. just to be very respectful, of, like you know, the sacramental traditions uh, versus the memorialist. All of that stuff needs to really be considered. And we're all kind of rethinking it in real time, right? Like I just actually spoke with an Episcopal rector um, just yesterday, just talking about how they really had to figure out, you know, communion is like the center of what they do. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to do this safely? Mm -hmm. You know, are we going to make this a priority to do? And, you know, all these interesting questions. And I guess the the turning point for me was to realize that, hey, just because people come in person doesn't mean like their whole being is there, you know, like you can be in the building, but you can be completely checked out, you know, on service. And likewise, if you're watching on YouTube, you could be checked out just as much. And so it's like whatever your whatever your platform um, can you be like fully there with all of your being, you know? And I think that's how, what does that look like? How do we do that in worship? I think is a really big thing. Yeah. And that's I mean, gonna, yeah, definitely yeah. programming has to change. Yep. And, uh, even in a hybrid nature, you know, Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, it wasn't your category. It was one I suggested pastoral, yeah. uh, vocation. I'm a, yes. Um, you know, we'll so hold good. up on, on that one, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually, I, I, I just recorded a uh, a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. uh, actually, yeah, um, I encourage you to listen to that, and mm-hmm. maybe that we could get into a conversation after. Oh, yeah. I, you know, if we after you listen to that. Yeah, um, no, that's that's my, a great one though. It's I'm really glad you added that because I 100% agree with you. That is definitely yeah. need to be rethought. Yeah, one of yeah one of quite one of the things that you mentioned is like, is it, you know. Uh, the, the senior pastor guy, uh, well, because it's, it's also with technology, right? Because Uh like, like you could, you, you know, you, you can edit a really great video, um, Uh and, uh, have a teacher or there's a lot of, a lot of churches using sermons from other churches you know um uh, videos of them so so if 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 it's not bringing all the 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 masses a crowd you know get the best speaker to bring in a a crowd if that's not the main thing Mm -hmm. and the main thing is something else then maybe we need to shift like what is the role of that Mm -hmm. because you know so that changes right it's all connected no go ahead i'm sorry well I know you want to talk about more, but I, I, what I, I love about what you're just saying right now is that I think we, we, in a lot of circles, we have backed the pastoral vocation into basically becoming like a content creator, right? Is like, give us sermons, like give us something like, and your content will bring the people in or like the content will change people's lives. And 
what it ended up doing is like it really disembodied the role of the pastor. You know, like we were just hmm. like spitting out sermons, like spitting out speeches and programs, and it just wasn't embodied anymore. You know, and I think there's a real temptation right now, especially in this like development of online church, is that we turn them just purely into content creators and not really being these like spiritual guides and spiritual shepherds. And so I, th- I think we need to really think carefully in these times. Cause like this, this is definitely a shifting time for what we understand as pastors. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great. Um, I would recommend the book, uh, the trellis and the vine. Yeah. Have you read mm-hmm. that book? I um, oh. yeah. Um, it, it, it really talks about different shifts. Like, you yeah. know, what is vine work and what is trellis work? Mm. You know, what, what is the organization mm. part and what is the, mm. the, the soul care, the, you know, the spiritual development part Yeah, yeah and, uh, and who does what, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, the one I would suggest is, is, uh, yeah, uh, spiritual formation or programming or, or, mm-hmm. you know, like we could talk about that, but yeah. Hey, I want to, I want to thank you for, for our time. Um, yeah, I, uh, we're going to continue this, uh, in the coming, I don't know, uh, episodes and just kind of yeah. talk more about each one of these things and to tease yeah. out this because it helps me. I'm a verbal processor. It helps me to, yeah. you know, have someone to, to you know, argue yeah. with, uh, but the closing question I want to ask you is, okay, just think about other pastors out there, struggling yeah. pastors who are, you know, sitting there trying to figure this thing out. Like, like they didn't mm-hmm. choose this, but there's yeah. a lot of changes and, and none of us felt, I don't know, successful or none of us mm-hmm. felt like we've, we are in a better place than we were yeah. before. And uh, a lot of pastors are discouraged and just yeah. feeling like, yeah. so can you just give uh, speak to them directly? Yeah. Um, you know, a struggling pastor out there, give them a word of encouragement or, or an insight. Yeah. What would you say there? Uh, gosh, I need that word to myself. Right. So, right, so hey, talk to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Talk to talk your to myself, discouraged self. Yeah. Honestly, the thing that I want to say is like, it's something that just keeps kind of coming out of my mouth when I'm talking to everyone. Cause like I'm meeting like a lot of pastors who are just like, you know, I'm not ready for this season. Like I'm just going to retire. There's a lot of pastors that just like, it's, I'm, I, I just don't have it in me. And I think what I'd want to say to myself and to everyone is like to be kind, you know, like we, when I talk about things like this, it sounds like, like I know what's going on or everything's clear, but like, we're all kind of like learning in the dark and, to be honest, that's what we've been doing from the beginning. Like that's what the church has always been. Is like we've just been completely dependent on the Holy Spirit and grace. And to even set up the fact that we're here because we're qualified or because we know what's going to happen, like is just not true. And so I think once we, the sooner that we let go of that, like the freer we'll be. And I I think I think the only thing that I can just really hold on to is just remembering what Jesus said is like, Hey, in this world, you'll have many troubles. Like that is the promise of Jesus. But he, but Jesus says like, take heart for I've overcome. And it's not like we have to overcome these things. It's like Christ has already overcome. And so like, we just need to hold on to Christ through all of this as best we can, as messy as we can, maybe as even messed up as we are. Um, And just knowing as we hold on, like we will overcome too, because Christ has overcome. Um, I think all throughout church history, there have literally been moments where it looked like civilization as we know it is coming to an end. Like we are going through a major paradigm shift, but somehow the church is like mysteriously resilient, you know, because God is faithful. And I think we just need to lean into that and we need to do our part. We need to pursue excellence. We need to listen close to the Holy spirit, but just trust that, you know, it's going to be God's faithfulness that gets us through and not our own intellect or our cunning or our training. And yeah, and I, I think we just got to come back to that constantly and just preach that to each other over and over again. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I like that. Be kind, yeah. you know, kindness, yeah. be kind yeah. to one another and starting with yourself. A lot of pastors yeah. are not, um, we're not kind to ourselves. 
Yeah. Um, reminds me of uh, uh, Ephesians chapter four, where, you know, he he talks, he says, Paul says, um, you know, I urge you to walk worthy um, of the calling. And then he says, be completely humble and gentle. Yeah. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And it's just kindness. It's just compassion, you know, and, and, but I, I think showing kindness and compassion to, to ourselves yeah. is, is, uh, it, you know, it, it's where it starts. It's, it's 100%. hard to be kind to other people when you are beating yourself up. So, yeah, yeah. I, I echo that. So yeah. pastors be kind to yourself. Yes, definitely. Uh, Samuel, uh, thank you for, uh, your time. We'll continue this conversation, um, in uh, future episodes yeah great thanks thanks for having me and uh, i loved everything you said it was uh it was really enriching for me too so thank you for for making the time for me too thank you for listening to the struggling pastors podcast my name is tian doan and i hope this has been helpful to you if you found it helpful i appreciate if you would share this podcast with a fellow struggling pastor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me close with a Bible verse, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Pastor, do not give up. Until next time, God bless you.